Welcome to the Lead in Truth podcast, also known as the Lit podcast. Do you know biblical truth? Do you know how to take God's word and apply it to your life as a family when facing the world and the cultural onslaught of lies? Listen now as Brad and Brooke lead you in the truth of God's word. Well, thank you for joining us on the Lit Podcast also known as the Lead in Truth podcast here on the Bar Network. We are so glad that you're listening. I am Brad Bartz. And I am Brooke Bartz. And we want to welcome you to this episode. But before we get started today, there's a couple of quick announcements we want to make sure that you're aware of. So the first announcement is that the second annual Open Hearts in a Closed World conference this year, the 2021 conference, is July 12th through the 16th. This is a ladies online free conference. You're going to be able to stream this conference at Open Hearts in a Closed World Facebook group. My personal IG at Jasper Bartz and the Open Hearts IG at Open Hearts in a Closed World. We want to give a great big huge shout out to American Gospel TV also known as AGTV mm-hmm who will be streaming this year's conference as well. That is such an amazing thing. We are so excited to partner with them. On the topic of Open Hearts, the Open Hearts in a Closed World YouTube channel, you will also be able to access our lit podcasts as well as a number of resources. So go subscribe over there. These include last year's Open Hearts conference and the Open Hearts podcast that I did before Brad and I teamed up together. So go subscribe over there. Show us your love over there. Awesome. And also, as we as we start this podcast, we're going to be doing some, some lengthier podcasts as we look at more in-depth issues. But part of our podcast time here with you is going to be spending what we call car talks. And what car talks are is something that is a short 5 to 15 minute message in podcasts that you can listen to on the way to work on the way to the grocery store, while you're waiting for your kids in the pickup line at school. And it's really meant to to give you some nuggets of truth um, in a very short way, but also include some discussion questions. So as you and your family are driving around, you can talk about the different topics that we just discussed. So look for those on the the Lit Podcast, as well as the Open Hearts in the Closed World YouTube channel as well. Well, one prayer request and um, that you would continue to pray for, we want to continue to pray for James Coates, uh, pastor of Grace Life Church uh, in Canada. Um, he remains incarcerated at this point. I ask that you would just continue to pray for him, uh, pray for his wife Erin and their kids, as well as other churches, that they would step up and to be faithful and to support James and Grace Life, and that they would be faithful to the Lord amidst the persecution that they're, they're facing in Canada. And also, we want to let you know that we're praying for you. And if you have any prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can message Brooke directly at her Instagram at, at just Brooke Bartz, and we'd love the opportunity to pray for you. So uh, we'll be talking about a number of topics in our podcast that we've mentioned before, but if there's something that you really want to hear from us on or a topic that you'd like us to cover, uh, shoot that over to Brooke at her Instagram. Again, that's at just Brooke Bartz. And we'll do our very best to to work those into the podcast that we've got planned here over the next few months. Well, let's get into our our episode for today. So to to set up our our episode, um, there's a quote that's pretty well known by A.W. Tozer in which he said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. 
Or maybe another way that we would ask that question would be if someone came to you and they asked you, what is God like? How would you describe him? You know, what we believe to be true about God will be driving our thinking as well as will serve as the catalyst for every aspect of our life. What I think about God will be reflected in my life. It'll be reflected in my conduct. It'll be reflected in my family. It'll be reflected in my marriage. So what we believe about God is the most crucial thing about us. Yeah. And whether we like it or not, our life is displaying what we believe about God in a good way or potentially in a detrimental way. Mm. You know, how I deal with sin, my desire to obey God, to what extent I will love my wife, how diligent I am to train my children, the effort I put into the job and the work that God has given me are all telltale signs that indicate what I know and believe and think about God. So the most important thing on the Lead in the Truth podcast is, is, is we always want to get down to the foundation of our thinking. Where does our thinking need to originate about God? What is the foundation of our thinking about God? And I would believe that if there's any aspect of God that has hindered the health of churches over time, that has led to unfulfilled families, and has been a characteristic of degenerating societies, it is a lack of true understanding of God's holiness. Yes. And that is what we want to discuss today over a three-part series is, is what we're calling the whole holiness of God. And again, we're going to look at start a three-part series looking at the holiness of God and look at the different facets of God's holiness as well as our response to His God's to God's holiness. So again, we've entitled this podcast series, The Whole Holiness Today, and today's episode will be about being set apart. So the question is, what do we mean when we refer to God's holiness? Brooke, what do you think? Well, so what comes to mind is how most people define it in moral terms when they present the gospel, referring to God's moral purity that he is without sin. And this is definitely part of God's holiness, but there is so much more to it. Yeah, and I think theologians for for ages have described God's holiness in a lot of different ways. Um, Thomas Watson described God's holiness as his crowning jewel, the pinnacle of, of who God is. But I believe John MacArthur puts it best when he says, speaking of God's holiness, God is utterly distinct from us. He is other than we are, to the essence of his existence, his nature. Therefore, nothing in creation, no one in creation, even man created in the image of God, compares to God in essential nature. He is incomparable. He is infinite perfection. That is why his name is separate, it is distinct, and it is holy. So in simple terms, we would say that God's holiness is who God is. That God is uniquely set apart. He is unlike anyone or anything he has created. And then as a response, the reverence and the worship due him must be commensurate with his holiness. He must be approached and worshiped as holy and holy alone. And with a fuller understanding of God's holiness comes a more reverent fear of God, an appropriate response of worship, and a reverence for his being and his character. Yeah, and there are a lot of passages we could go to discuss God's holiness, but one in particular really pictures God's holiness in a powerful way and drives us to the proper end we must have, and it is Exodus 19 through 21. 
Great. Thanks, Farouk. And, and let's set up the context a little bit of, of Exodus 19 through 21. So Israel is about three months removed from their exodus from Egypt. And Moses, along with the elders, have gathered them at the, mount, at the foot of Mount Sinai. And in verse 5, Moses says this, Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So what is God doing here initially at Sinai? Well, number one, he's confirming his holiness, but like God, his people then are to be set apart as he is set apart. Because the Lord alone is holy, because he is set apart from the false gods of the nation, because he alone brought them out of Egypt by his own might, he caused them to separate themselves from their nations and in obedience to Yahweh and Yahweh alone. And Peter makes this point in New Testament terms in 1 Peter 2.9 when he speaks of God's choice of believers, when he says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellences of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hmm. What Peter is saying here is that God's choice of you is so that you will be set apart from the world and that you will proclaim the excellencies of God. That's a pretty interesting word, isn't it, Brooke? Excellencies? Yes, I love that word very yeah. much. And I think it's interesting that, that Peter would use this word here. I mean, he could have used a very easy and singular word mm-hmm. like God's mercy or God's grace or salvation, but he doesn't do that. Wow. He uses a word here that is all-encompassing. It's a comprehensive picture of God's comprehensive nature and the totality of God's goodness. This reflects how God is set apart. Hmm. Peter says that as believers, chosen and then set apart by God, we then are to proclaim the fullness of who God is to the unbelieving world. And this is where it began for Israel, and this is where it must begin for us as well. So, Brad, how does that principle then play into our parenting? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And God's holiness, to sum it up, should be at the core or the center of our parenting. Mm. Um, I can remember, and I think we can remember, (laughs) being new parents and being part of our young family's ministry at church. Um, You know, those were... Those were fun times. We were all new parents, and we were all trying to to figure it out and mm-hmm. to honor the Lord in our parenting. And and I think unintentionally at times in those type of groups, there can be almost a, a thematic parenting yeah. that, that takes place. And in our case, it wasn't because the Word wasn't being taught. It was. But it was really more attributed to, to parents who would go from book to book on different subjects mm. to try and address certain parenting issues. And so for a month they might try to parent faithfully on first-time obedience, right? And then the next month, because of a book that they read, it might be about having your children be truthful, right, and what they're saying and what they're thinking. And then that third month would hit, and you kind of take that sigh of relief because you just read a book on parenting about grace, (laughs) right? Yeah. Um, Man, I'm really just trying to show grace to my kids. Grace Mm -hmm. is the answer for for parenting. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all those things are good um, to both teach and model for your children, but our parenting is so much bigger than that. We need to understand that. Yeah, 
And the basis of our parenting begins with the biblical proclamation that our kids sit under the authority of this holy God that we see here in Exodus 19 and 20. Our role then as parents is to instruct our children from the scriptures what a holy God looks like, to call them to obedience to him, and then admonish and discipline them along the way towards that end. So, so really our calling is to lead our children to the cross in such a way where they see their sin laid bare before this holy God and that he alone is worthy of their praise because he himself is set apart. Yeah, and, and when we give our children a proper view of God's holiness, we are taking the faithful steps for the Lord to open up their eyes through the gospel. We are tempted to carry out our parenting to produce the right external behaviors. We, we all know that. We all are tempted in that. We want a few quick steps, right, to parent our children. But the danger here is that we get well-behaved kids. We might, but we are not allowing the whole holiness of God to bear upon their souls. And this is what the Lord will use us to convict, convict of sin. This is what he will use. Yeah, and parents often jump to, to the attributes of God. They, they feel that they want to share the, the attributes that are the most attractive to them, right, mm -hmm. with their children. And I think there's a warning there that, that necessarily that we're not, you know, heavy on the attributes that, that we feel are most conducive to who God is, but wow. that we're sharing with them the whole, the whole counsel of God. Uh, the faithful Christian parent realizes that they don't have to manipulate their child into a false assurance or a mm. false conversion. But if, if we start with the instructing of our children in God's holiness, then we set them on the proper road to the gospel. Yeah. And that's what's going on here is, is God is communicating to Moses, to the people, that he will be showing up and that they are to set themselves apart. Mm. It's the understanding that it is starting with and beginning with the character and the holiness of God. Mm. So after the Lord speaks to the people to set themselves apart, he then commands them to consecrate themselves in the light of his coming. And the principle here that we're going to see is, is that God's holiness requires man to be clean. And at the same time, even when man is clean, as it were, God is still infinitely set apart from man in his holiness. In verse 10, it says that the Lord also said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments. And let them be ready for the third day. And for the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And I think there's two important truths that we see from this passage. Number one, man must be consecrated in order to approach a holy God. Mm -hmm. Moses commands the people here to, to consecrate themselves and to wash their clothes. So what is the picture that we need to understand? Number one is, is that Israel had come out of Egypt. They were stained, they were soiled, they were polluted by their idolatry. Mm. And so the Lord commands them then to, to wash their clothes. This was the picture of, of washing off the filth of idolatry that came with them from Egypt, as well as the idolatry that had already no doubt attached to themselves in the last three months as they were removed from Egypt. Mm. It was also a spiritual exercise as they washed their clothes they were to take that picture of dirt being washed off of a filthy garment and apply it to their souls. Mm. This act pictures what we know in the New Testament to be called repentance. Mm -hmm. 
It's the forsaking of sin of idolatry. It's the turning from the worship of false idols, turning from the direction of Egypt, and turning their gaze upon Sinai, where the Lord in his glory would appear. Yeah, and and when I hear you read that passage, um, babe, what sticks out in my mind from that passage is that there is no such thing as a consecrated or clean idol. Many times this idolatry does not show itself in a wood figure or a bronze statue um, in our lives in this day and age, but, but rather as a heart that sets itself above the holiness of God. As women, this idolatry can creep in at many times unnoticed, and it's usually sometimes under the cover of righteous deeds. Ladies, the most powerful weapon we have as a wife and mother in Christ is knowing excellence in the home starts with fearing the Lord and His holiness. When we do so, He girds our hearts in the growth towards godliness. But let me speak to those ladies who have bought into lies that they can have it all and still serve a holy God. When you put yourself first in anything and everything, you disobey Christ. Ladies, what are you promised? power of self, being your own commander, and being a wife who's a dripping faucet and does not respect her husband or submit to his decisions and bucks the system. God made Adam and then made Eve from his rib. We know that. Both equal, but with totally different roles. Women, what do you win? Do you win the prize to be selfish, vain, and the right to scream, I am woman, hear me roar? What is this message to our children, to our daughters who were instructed to train up in the word? And our, and our sons, why should they submit to authorities and honor their mother and father? These are the precepts we are supposed to obey. This is a commandment. It's not a bumper sticker or a New York best-selling book that says the opposite by a female author. It's not a fleeting Instagram story or a popular tweet we can read and say amen to. Listen to what Moses says to Israel at Sinai. Consecrate yourselves and wash your clothes because... God is coming. Yeah, that's a vivid picture, Brooke, and thanks for that that um, that commentary. It's so important, um, and this is such a powerful spiritual truth hmm. that that man must be consecrated, that he must repent and turn from his idolatry to approach a holy God. But at the same time, we understand that the the second truth that's communicated in this in this section is here is that as it relates to God's holiness is that God still remains set apart from man even when he reveals himself to man. Yeah, so I'm going to keep reading. So it says, you shall set bounds for the people all around saying, beware that you do not go up to the mountain or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the ram's horn sound a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. He said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. Good. Yeah, that's a pretty powerful picture. Yeah. And Moses here is, he's commanding the people to consecrate themselves in preparation for God's appearing. And yet, he draws a distinct line between man and God. The border around Sinai was a warning. It was a warning for all of those who would dare test the holiness of God. Just as Nadab and Abihu decided to offer strange fire and were incinerated, just as Uzzah reached for the faltering ark and the anger of the Lord was kindled against him and he died, 
And just as Ananias and Sapphira attempted to lie to God and were stricken dead, so it would have been for those at Sinai that day if that, not, if that border had not been put in place to protect them. So our fear today is that the church, like the world, has lost its appropriate fear of God's holiness. God's holiness is not to be trifled with, and it's not a plaything. And that is made evident in his appearing to Israel at Sinai. Yeah. And so this is really where we see God manifest his holiness and his glory. And in verses 16 through 19, we see the holiness of God displayed. In verse 16, it says, So it came about on the third day, when it was morning, that there was thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and its smoke ascended like the fire and the smoke of a furnace, and the entire mountain quaked violently. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him with the thunder. There's a lot of different powerful sermons in the mm-hmm. scripture and no doubt there have been powerful sermons through some of the most gifted men throughout church history yeah but what we see in these verses is the most powerful sermon ever preached wow and the preacher is not a man the preacher is not an apostle the preacher himself is god himself in his holiness manifesting his glory to the people of israel so brooke what do we what do we see, and how do we see God's holiness manifest at Sinai? What are some of the things that that we see from the passage? Well, um, we see thunder, lightning. We see a thick cloud of smoke, that fire from heaven, which is the Shekinah glory of God manifested. Um, we hear a, lo- a loud trumpet sound, more than likely the sound of angels trumpeting the glory of God. The mountain quakes violently, and God answers Moses with thunder. Yeah, so we live here in North Texas, and so we we know a thing or two about thunderstorms. <laughs> and so we have seen plenty of lightning. We've seen and heard yeah. plenty of thunder. So so this imagery makes and is amplified kind of in our experience. But I think what we need to understand is is that what the people saw in Israel on that day on Mount Sinai was was far beyond anything that we could imagine wow. as it related to these elements. I mean, imagine God answering you with thunder. Yeah. Right. And really, what we see here is God's utter holiness on display. Yeah. And what does it say the people's response to that holiness is, Brooke? Well, it says the camp trembled. Everyone there knew who God was. That was apparent and obvious because it says the camp trembled. Everyone in the camp was was struck with fear and they trembled. So therefore, they knew who God was. They, they heard who God was. They saw who God was. Yeah, there was... There was no mistaking, mm-hmm. right? As, as they heard and they saw all that was going on, yeah. there, was, there, was no, um, there was no wonder as to who this God was. Mm-hmm. He, he was. He was far above any of the false gods of the surrounding nations and of Egypt. Um, he was holy and set apart. Absolutely. So do you think, Brad, that the majority of people today see God this way? Um, I think that we could all probably say with a resounding uh, voice as to, to no. Yeah, no, right? absolutely not. No. So, I mean, if, if we lived in light of this holiness, you know, as an unbeliever, right, um, you would think that mm-hmm. man would be so quick to turn from his sin and, and turn to Christ, right, for salvation. But right. then, 
you know, even in Revelation, as the as the rocks are falling upon the men, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're they're cursing Still, God, yeah. right, because of his of his might and his dread that he's brought upon them. Yeah. And so, you know, I think the, the the church is just as guilty of this. So. Yeah. So, I mean, if to our listeners out there, like, what are some examples of how people see God today? Yeah. Like, give us give us some some examples. Yeah, I think about it fundamentally in the sense that um, how does God reveal himself today, right? Obviously, in creation, uh, we see his power manifest, his attributes, his middle attributes manifest in the, in the creation itself. Mm-hmm. And that should bring an awe and a wonder and a reverence for God, no doubt, along with the, the law, right, written in the human heart, that the other aspect of, of general revelation. Right. But primarily when we think about how God has revealed himself is through special revelation, right? In this day and age, it is through the truth of his word. Yes. And so how how does one encounter the holiness of God? Or maybe a different way to say it is, how should one be encountering the holiness of God? Mm. It's when they walk into a church service and the preacher gets up to preach and he is faithful to exposit the word in such a way that Mm. he communicates what the text says. And and by doing so, he he is picturing, he is forming a high view of God. Right in His holiness and His power and His glory and His might, and that should bring, like it did with the people of Israel, a real spiritual dread upon those individuals who are not His own, that they need to repent, that they need to be set apart, that they need to be consecrated to to wash their dirty clothes, as it were, spiritually, to repent and turn to Him. So they should have a, a spiritual response in their heart. They should be. They should. <clears throat> they should feel that in. The spirit, the conviction, the teaching, the correction, all of those things that the pastor is bringing because God is holy. That's right. Yeah, and his word is holy, right? Mm And I mean, God puts his word on par with his character. And so if God is holy, his word is holy, and we must respond rightly to it just as if we were at Sinai that day, Mm. seeing God's holiness and his power manifest. The, The tragedy, I think, is that in this day, we really truly live in a post-Christian culture. Yeah. And I think that if we walked into the majority of churches today, we would not be hearing about God's holiness. Mm. We would not be hearing about sin. We would not be hearing about a proper response to who He is. Yeah. Instead, we would be hearing about equal rights. We would be hearing about the um, the acceptance and the encouragement to accept um gender fluidity, mm. right? That um, that we need to be repenting of sins that we never committed through uh, being born a certain color, a certain number of melanin in our skin. Mm-hmm. And so the church, tragically, has, has turned so far from its original intended purpose of being heralds of the Word of God, of of making disciples, as Jesus said in Matthew 28, mm. to where we're going to to both share the gospel and then for those who come to Christ to help them grow up in Christ yeah. and to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. And I think this is such a tragedy. Yeah. And I think this is a call to the church. Amid these post-Christian times, um, there are many folks who are coming out of some of these more pragmatic type of churches, and they're they're asking the question truly as is, is what is truly biblical truth? What truly right. is the gospel? Um, and those churches that are faithful to the scripture, those churches that are faithful to preach and teach the whole counsel of God's word, um, they do have the answers. And not in and of themselves, but they have the book, right, that gives those answers. 
and as we are today reading today and seeing today from Sinai, calls them before a holy God to consecrate, to repent, and to turn to him for the salvation. Yeah, churches fear God. The pastors fear God. And, and like Brad said, we've, we've lost that today in most churches. So the application we have for you today um, is pretty simple. As parents, we should be proactively looking for ways to share God's holiness with our children. That's, that's number one. As parents, you need to help your children understand that God is set apart and you need to look for ways to share God's holiness with your children. Yeah, I think, um, you know, parents, especially with young kids, might ask this question as well, well how do I do that, right? How do I mm-hmm. communicate to a two or a three-year-old, um, you know, how, how God is holy? Mm-hmm. And I think there's several ways that we can do it. I think number one is that we read them passages like this from the Scripture. Yeah, um, in an age-appropriate way, we'll talk about some resources in a little bit to do that. But it all begins with exposing your kids, even at a very early age, to the Scripture so they can understand and see a high view of God and a high view of Scripture. Yeah. I think secondly, as we, as we discipline our children, right, that gives us an opportunity to talk about mm-hmm. the holiness of God from, from a moral perspective, mm-hmm. right, that they that they dis or they dis disobey because they're sinners and that sin separates them from a holy God and then we hold them accountable. We 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 discipline them, we admonish them, we love them towards the understanding of the gospel uh, and the salvation that Christ alone brings to be reconciled to this holy God. Yeah. You know, I think in creation is a is a really neat and natural way mm-hmm. God gives us to commute to communicate His His glorious holiness mm-hmm. and all that He created. Uh, he made it for us to enjoy, to have dominion over, and ultimately for man to look at it and to turn to Him and to bow the knee to to who He is. That that He alone is the one who is set apart. He alone is set apart to create, mm-hmm. and He alone is set apart in the praise of His praise by His people. Mm-hmm. And so here's a, a few maybe resources that we have enjoyed over the years, especially when our daughter was young, yeah. that we feel might be helpful for you as you look to communicate God's holiness to your kids. Yeah. So for, for young children, I would say, I think our daughter was six months years old, probably yeah. before that, when we started using this resource, but it's called the, the Big Picture Storybook Bible. Yeah. And it's just a really good tool that that walks you from Genesis to Revelation, and really, as it says, kind of gives you the big picture of, of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really does a really good job of communicating both in a few words mm-hmm. and also through illustrations and pictures some of the more main biblical truths that yeah. need to be implanted in little kids' hearts. Yeah. Um, you know, from creation, right, to to Ezekiel and the New Covenant, and then going and using the same imagery and illustrations of Ezekiel and the New Covenant to talk about Nicodemus and Jesus, right? What it means to be born again, uh, to the cross, right? To the resurrection. These are all really neat things I think that that Bible is really helpful for. So again, it's called the the Big Picture Storybook Bible. Yeah, I, I remember we loved that. And um, Clara, when we read it to her, I mean, she would just want to turn the next page to see what was going on. And 
and the, the, like Brad said, the pictures are so vivid. They convey so much, and um, these are these are so helpful to be able then to even look at the picture and walk through what's going on in the picture. And so, um, yeah, we would highly recommend this. Um, we still have her copy. It is falling apart. Like Brad said, we started when she was six months. She memorized scripture from that. She would ask, you know, us to take her to her favorite part in that book and read that story over and over. So your children will absolutely love this story, this story Bible. Yeah, it will be a great joy. No, you, you'll enjoy it, especially yeah. at bedtime before they go to bed to, to read it to them. Another resource I want to mention is, is again, for, for younger kids or little kids, uh, it's a kid-oriented catechism uh, with stories throughout that really reinforce uh, the truths of the catechism, the truths of Scripture, and then apply that through a story uh, to go along with that to reinforce those truths. And the name of that book is called Big Truths for Little Kids. And I would highly recommend it probably for anyone between, you know, starting at probably age three and above. Uh, it would be a helpful resource. But again, the, the catechism in and itself is there to really help us grab and, and hold hold on to a systematic theology, right, of, of the Scripture, of who God is. And it's just a really easy and practical way in a, in a way that kids enjoy to, to be exposed to that. Yeah, and, you know, we're not listing a whole plethora of resources. And we really used these main two for Clara over and over. And there's a beauty in that, too, because it becomes familiar. They become excited about it. And, you know, they want to read it again and memorize it. So we're not we're not listing a whole um, list of resources. These are the main two. And these are really communicating everything you need to know as your children get older. So stick with the simple, the things mm -hmm. that really, really will make the biggest impact. And these are two. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So we really do hope that you've enjoyed our time. Uh, we do ask you to join us for our next episode in our current series, The Whole Holiness of God. Mm -hmm. uh, that'll be coming out here shortly, as well as um, you'll notice that we've got several different couple of car talks coming your way. Yeah. And so we ask that you go ahead and, and listen to those and use those, not just to listen to, but to spur discussion on with your family and the, and the car ride to, to games or the grocery store or sitting in line waiting for your kids. It's just a, a really easy and helpful way to look at some of the issues of the day from a biblical perspective and then have a, a good rounded conversation with your kids on the way to wherever you guys are going in this in this busy life. Yeah, and we want to say thank you for joining us. Um, if you love us, if you like us, please go subscribe to any major podcast network. We're there. Um, it's the Lit Lead in Truth podcast. You can also um, send us your comments, questions, ideas for topics to at JustBrookBarts. That's my Instagram. Go follow me there. And when you subscribe on YouTube, we'll start getting out new details, new updates. So subscribe so you'll know when those are coming. And yeah, you guys, we just really enjoyed talking to you today about the whole holiness of God and, and being set apart to God as God is set apart in His holiness. We want you to set apart your family mm -hmm. to the holiness of God. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, and join us next time as we lead you in the truth of God's Word. And this is Brooke. This is Brad. See you next time. Bye. See ya. Bye.